Welcome to Food Farms and Chefs radio show, where we highlight everyone from the top industry leaders to startups and farmers that make it all possible with Chef Jean Blum and photojournalist Amaris Pollock. Hi, and welcome to Food Farms and Chefs. And I am very honored to introduce you to Colleen Felicki, who is the founder of Back to Earth Compost. Um, Colleen, thank you for joining us on Food Farms and Chefs. Thank you so much for having me, Amaris. I'm I'm really excited to be here to talk with you and Jean. So Colleen, as a, a subject that is certainly uh, making new headways into you know, the sustainable agriculture, sustainable farming, home gardening world, uh, you know, organic composting and you know, taking table scraps and generating great soil out of it. Uh, this is something you learned as a child, I understand, uh, from your grandparents. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I, uh, my grandmother used to put a hole in the ground and put her food scraps, you know, just dig a hole and put the food scraps in it that way. And, um, I, my other grandparents had a, had, you know, a nice size garden in their yard. Um, I kind of grew up around that. Um, but it, I guess it wasn't until I was older that I realized like I wanted to be more sustainable and found different ways to, you know, to do that. Um, whether it's, you know, composting or using less plastic and um, just being more mindful and, um, you know, also more mindful of the types of foods that we're eating. Right. I, would take my kids to the farmer's market and try to get local produce, um, get to know the farmers, um, you know, things that we were um, putting in and on our bodies so that we could be, you know, use more natural products. So um, I feel like it's kind of come full circle as I've gotten older. <laughs> and then I wanted to be able to help other people who, you know, that don't have the space, that don't have a garden to use their compost or just don't have a space to compost in their yard or their house uh, to be able to do that. So it's been, it's so been exciting. Before we get too far into, you know, your, your passion for this and everything that you're talking about, which is really wonderful. I want to explain to our listeners and, and correct me if I'm wrong. In short, um, you provide the ability for people to compost by they sign up on your website, you provide them a bucket, they save their table scraps and, you know, things that can be composted and vegetable scraps and, and, you know, things from just cooking and doing around the house that can go into a compost pile. You give them a date for pickup, you put the bucket yep. out and your crew that's comes cool. and, and takes that and goes into a giant compost facility. Yeah, that, yep. that's, that's how it works. Basically we, we yeah. do, we give, we give, um, our composters a bucket or two or, you know, three if they need it. And then they're on a schedule. They do, you know, we do every other week pickup. And then we haul it to be composted, um, to be, you know, made into the soil amendment that compost is. And, um, you know, we're out there where every day we're, we work with businesses as well. So if, if you're a, a restaurant that produces food scraps, which most of them, you know, not all of them do, uh, we, we can help them as well. And, you know, we just take the, the burden off of, you know, the person that's producing the scraps to be able to, you know, create compost and they feel good and um, making a difference in, you know, in keeping it out of the landfill. So it's a, it's a great feeling to be able to, to help the community to, to do that in a way that um, is easy and, you know, and affordable. We also have, we also have a uh, collection sites where our composters, they can either use a bucket that they have or buy one of ours and bring it to us at a farmer's market location that we have. We have 
I think right now we have six collection sites where where uh, community members can bring their scraps, and it's only five dollars for a five bucket drop off. So, um, which makes it uh, if they're already going to the farmers market or you know want to start going, it's a great way to to you know bring your scraps and buy buy your your pro- local produce. So it's pretty it's so, pretty cool today. So you you hit on there that's so important. Many years ago, um, I was you know generating a lot of I'm in the restaurant and in, you know the the food service industry and we had a local farmer that was coming around and taking our compost and we had up set up a commercial program with it at a college and that farmer then retired and went away and you know we searched long and hard for years and we, and we could not find anybody and we ended up having to put all that back into the garbage system and you know to dispose of it that way and mm-hmm. the fact that what we could do in a commercial industry with a program like yours uh you know many years ago i worked for a coffee company and at the flower show, we were, you know, produced so many coffee grounds that we worked with, you know, the city of Philadelphia and we worked with the, the host of the flower show to actually be able to recycle those coffee grounds. Did you we, give them away? We, we actually, we were turning them into compost and a city facility. So nice. we're doing that because coffee grounds are so important and, and so, you know, a nutrient rich product. For sure. So, oh, that's but, great. Uh, it's it, instead of throwing it out, it's you can, you know, put it around your plants, you know, and add it to your compost. And it definitely is a useful component, as is like the food waste from the restaurant. Y- you don't realize it until you stop doing it, how much you have. Oh, it, it, <laughs> right. And it's absolutely amazing. Yeah. yeah. We keep track of the weights for our composters. So they're able to log into their portal and see how much carbon they're offsetting just by composting and how much weight they're, they're, you know, saving from going to the landfill. It's pretty, I mean, it's pretty, and when they see it, it's like, it adds, it adds up quickly into thousands of pounds. So my personal experience, I grew up, my father was an organic garden. We had a big garden in my backyard and, and I didn't grow up with a favorable experience in, in the fact that for me, it was a lot of work, you know, in the sure. fall, we'd gather up bags and bags and bags of leaves, hundreds of bags of leaves. And then, mm-hmm. you know, we would grind them up and put them into the soil. And, you know, I would, he would drag me to the local horse farm to get manure. And, you know, we would be having to save all the scraps in a bucket and take them out back and put them in a compost pile and doing all that. But then I realized that while everybody had gardens back then, mm-hmm. my fathers were just amazing. You know, he would be producing so much. We would be feeding everyone with, you know, the vegetables he would produce. You know, bushels and bushels of tomatoes and zucchini and cucumbers. And I learned yeah, to realize that was because of what yeah. he was, how little work it was. And, you know, now here at my home, I have two, you know, eight by uh, four plots that I produce an abundance of vegetables at. And I do it without any type of chemical fertilizers, anything like that with just. Just you know, by the, using the compost? Compost. And I start with, uh, you know, every couple of years I'll buy some mushroom soil. Mm-hmm. down and then just keep the compost going and how crucial that is so yeah, that's it, it's so needed to create healthy plants and adding it to the soil you know you have healthy soil when you add it to the soil you have healthy plants and then when you eat it you're it's like there's more nutrients in the actual fruit or vegetable so we're Absolutely. we're we're healthier and, yeah. and it requires so little effort i mean it's yeah. A, yeah you know for me in the winter, it's literally just saving my scraps and putting them down and then 
tilling it into the ground and doing that, you know? Mm-hmm. So one that I know that you do too, because I grew up doing this, I learned it, but you also offer workshops and classes yes. and you know, an opportunity to tell our listeners a little bit about how they can find out more about that and, and learn to do this themselves. Sure. Yeah. We try to make it easy and accessible to everyone. So we do a Zoom. I do a Zoom workshop. I host it once a month. If you go to our website, backtoearthcompost.com and um, click on workshop, it's $15 uh, for the workshop. And it's the first Wednesday of each month that we ho- I host the workshop. And it's nice because you can ask as many questions as you want. I try to make it very interactive. And we have all levels of composters that might be on the workshop and you know you can ask me questions we share we share i think it's great because um everyone is in different i guess modes of learning how to compost so we can learn from each other which i love um but i i will teach the it's called the five easy steps to home composting i also work with um local municipalities um night schools, organizations, gardening groups. I've done, I think in May and June, I did a dozen workshops on um, five easy steps to home composting. So it's it's one of my passions. I, I really enjoy teaching that class and being able to answer live the questions. Because when I started composting, I didn't didn't know a lot of this and I, uh, I wish that I had the guidance. So I, I tried to make it easy so that um, there's, you know, there's five steps. Then you also have me after you start the next, you know, you go, you, or, you know, start that night, start collecting your scraps and you don't know what, you know, you have some questions, you can email me. So that kind of goes along with it. Um, anyone who's taken my workshops can just send me an email and I can help them out. So one of the other things that I really love that you do is you publish some of your commercial clients that you do that so that people know that when they're going to particular businesses uh you know that business is supporting this type of sustainable agriculture and things like that um thank you thank you that that list is growing and growing now that people are realizing you know how easy it is for Mm -hmm. a business to do this yeah yeah it's great i feel like it's really important that our communities know you know, the businesses that um, that are being, you know, are doing, taking steps to be more sustainable. So we want to shout it to the rooftops and let everyone know that, that you know, this business or that restaurant or that cafe is, is composting. And, and um, I, if folks love to hear that and they, they really like to support those businesses. So I think it's important that we showcase and highlight and just they're, you know, they're doing this and, and, uh, we try to we try to do as much as possible to promote it. So, right, and you and you do a lot of other educational programs like Launch and Learn, and mm-hmm. go out and speak to groups and do a lot of that. Yeah, can I do. Tell, I enjoy it. Can you tell our listeners, you know, in short, I mean, for somebody who's never done any composting, you know, what kind of household product, you know, are they are they not putting in a landfill? What what are they saving from going out into the landfill every year? By just putting it in, what do, what do you, you know, search for in compost? Yeah, so they're saving. It's crazy to think about this, but it's forty percent of what we throw away. Estimated forty percent of what we throw away is compostable. So they are, you know, all of their fruits and veggie scraps, their eggshells, their coffee grounds, their tea bags, their coffee filters, even napkins, cardboard, um, shredded, you know, ripped up pizza boxes, um, things like that. You know that just 
a lot of the stuff is water weight, you know, like watermelons and melons and, you know, corn cobs, like there's things like that, that are heavy. And, you, you know, you can create something from it instead of having it go to a landfill and take up space or create methane gas or, you know, go to be burned in an incinerator. Like there's other ways that you can divert this and, and it, and it's easy. And, and the other thing is like, if you're not list, if you're not local to, you know, Philadelphia, suburban Philadelphia, there's a number of composters. There's a lot around the country. If you look at Institute for Local Self-Reliance, there's composters like myself all around the country. So you can look on that website and access a local composter or learn, you know, learn how to compost in your yard on a patio. You can do it in small space. You can do it in your house, actually. Um, there's ways to do bokashi and worm composting, not just, you know, outdoors in a tumbler. So if you're looking to divert the food waste and create something out of it uh, that can be used in your garden, definitely seek ways to, to compost. Uh, there, most likely you can find something that you can do. It's, it's easier than you think. I always tell people that it's easier than you think. One of the, the things I always thought was, you know, a, a terrible waste. We have so many, you know, Starbucks and places like that, that, you know, by saving those coffee grounds and by saving their filters and things like that, you know, how, how much that can do to go back into the environment, I, you know, growing up doing that. And then, mm-hmm. you know, you mentioned a lot of things, the cardboard and the paper. My dad would use that. We would, he also raised worms for the compost to the garden. For, you know, the worms and in my basement, we had, yes, in my basement, we had bids of worms. You did vermicomposting in your basement. Yes, yes, yes. I don't know if I ever shared that with anybody in my life before, but, uh, you know, it just came back to me and and it was like, oh, yes, I remember that. You You know, know, it's so important to share these things because then people know that it's not as difficult to do as it might seem. And it's more common, right? Than you might think. When we get out there and do events and, and we meet folks in the community, they come up to us, they're like, oh, I compost and I do this. This is how I compost. And and I and I it's I'm so happy to hear that so many people are getting on board with it or already have been. And I like to hug them and just it's good to know. And I'm like, share the share it. Share it with your neighbors, share it with your friends. You know, we need to have this ripple effect because we we need to make changes. To what, how we're thinking about waste. So it's we, important we to do. And then, you know, when I speak of this, I'm, I'm going back, you know, 30 years at that point in time that, mm-hmm. you know, this was my father was doing this, uh, even, even longer actually that, that was doing that. And now with, you know, my daughters, they, you know, they have little, small little gardens on their patios. And, you know, I, I know that they're, you know, the eggshells and certain things that they're doing and, you know, grinding them up, it's put them in the, you know, put them in the, the soil. Let's do those little things in the winter. Sure. And, and it's so, Amherst, I believe you have a question. I do have a question because um, I, you know, we started gardening um, and one of the things that I was considering is, you know, composting, but when you compost, like I've been to um, a workshop before and mm-hmm. I could have sworn they said that you have to add some sort of chemical. Well, not a chemical, but um, an organic chemical. We'll say that um, like a natural thing, like 
acid or, you know, like lime, lime acid or something. I can't remember what it was to, mm-hmm. and then, um, aerate it by like turning it every so often. Um, is that something, is there something that's, to add? In, that's interesting. So a, a lot of folks will say like, you need to add a starter, but, uh, I actually say that you, you don't need a starter. You can use finished compost as your starter. So if your friend's composting, grab some finished compost from the bottom of their pile and stick it into your, your composter and you'll have, that's a great starter. You need, it's the microorganisms that are, you know, they heat up and break down the organic matter. So the microorganisms are kind of helpful to get started. If you start a composter on the ground with like the bare soil, you'll, those microorganisms, you'll, it'll happen. Um, but you can speed it up by adding, by adding something. And I'm thinking that that's what you're talking about, like adding that starter, but you can use soil as starter too. So just keep that in mind. You can get some finished compost from Jean. (laughs) That's absolutely right. So as we wrap up here, we're out of time. Can you tell our listeners where they can find more information about you, your programs, uh, the restaurants that you support, where we can get out much more information and hopefully convert a lot more people and a lot more businesses? Thank you. Yeah. Thank, thanks for asking. Um, we're on, uh, well, back to earth compost, B-A-C-K-T-O earthcompost.com. You can also Instagram back to earth compost crew. We're on Facebook. Um, also, uh, you know, on, I have a, a podcast called speaking of sustainability, anywhere you listen to podcasts, you can find that. And also on YouTube. So we're, we're a lot of different places. Uh, just Google us and, and hopefully you'll get the information that you need. Thank you. Thank you so much. And we will be right back after this short break. Thank you so much. Join us on Food Farms and Chefs Radio Show, where we highlight everyone from top industry leaders to startups and the farmers who make it all possible with co-host Jean Blum and Amaris Pollock with original episodes that debut every Tuesday at 6 p.m. on WWDB 97.5 HD2 and at WWDBAM.com and on your smart speaker. Hi and welcome back to Food Farms and Chefs. I am happy to introduce all of you to Richard Dobies, who is the Director of Operations for M2O Group as well as Tulska, which just opened up in the Germantown Avenue area of Philadelphia. Richard, thank you and welcome to Food Farms and Chefs. Thank you for having me. So Richard, you know, you are by far, uh, you know, not a young in this industry. The fact that you have a, a great resume behind you of, uh, you know, startups and businesses and your know, M2O group is uh, certainly a, a growing chain of, uh, you know, burgers, salads, great food. Um, but for our listeners who maybe are not familiar with M2O group and obviously now with Tosca opening up uh, your work there. Tell our listeners how you got started in this industry, what your inspiration was, and a little bit about to, you know your background today. Okay. Um, so I got started in the industry um, at a very young age. Uh, I was kind of helping out at my cousin's restaurant when I was 12 years old, um, did dishes, so I learned things like that. Um, my grandmother, when I was a child, thought it was very important that we learned how to cook and taught me how to cook a lot of uh, traditional Polish food as well as um, just home-cooked American food. Um, going forward, as I got older, I was intending on going into acting in theater, and I ended up 
instead getting a job right out of high school, um, my dad had an aneurysm, so somebody had to work for the family. Uh, that put me in various restaurants, primarily fast casual, until I was lucky enough to uh, be taken on as an apprentice by Chef Lisa Scalaro at Movable Feast in Wilmington, Delaware. Um, from there, I worked for her for about two, two and a half years and just trained in fine dining and upscale. I did a lot of uh, tasting menus, chef's dinners, uh, just a lot of upscale stuff and some very large catering operations. Um, I've been executive chef at multiple places, uh, one of them being Cafe 67 at Newark Natural Foods in Newark, Delaware. Um, and I, after the pandemic, there was not a lot going on. I wasn't working and I took a job with uh, the M2O group. I was a general manager at their Newark, Delaware location where I just kind of quickly um, grabbed the reins and kind of got the business to where it needed to be. When I first got there at the Newark location, it wasn't in the best shape. Uh, so I got their food costs under control, helped introduce a few um, new menu items, made some deals with some local groups, including Yay Lunch. So I was cooking uh, food for a lot of the schools in the area. And uh, when the guys saw Tosca, they invited me up to look at the building and said, hey, what can we do with this? And after that, I somehow uh, became the executive chef there. Well, you know, that's how it works. You had a great mentor at Movable Feast. Certainly, you know, one of the better companies to ever work for and, and learn from and, and that experience. And, you know, you took that opportunity and you ran with it. And we have this great new comp, you know, this great new concept here opening up in Philadelphia uh, in the Germantown area, you know, that while the food itself is, you know, I want to say traditional pub fare, uh, you know, wings and pizza and burgers and sandwiches, craft beer, cocktails and wine, you know, you really put a lot of special touches in it. And <clears throat> the little bit I know, you think, you know, you, you really have brought this to a, you know, a whole new level and a whole new plateau. So tell our listeners what kind of uh, what the menu is and what they should expect when they come there as you know, opposed to going to just a, a regular brewery around the corner. Yes, sir. Um, so as far as the menu goes, uh, the pizza dough for starters is my own recipe. Um, I spent several months tinkering around. Um, one of the other partners got me a, uh, a home pizza oven, a giant wood fire one to mess around with. And I just made dough as often as possible and tried as many different possibilities as I could until we finally settled on one that we really liked. There was that aha moment where we were like, this is, this is the dough. This is what we, we want to do. And uh, from there it was, you know, I wanted to keep things affordable, mm -hmm. but at the same time, I wanted to be a little more upscale. I mean, considering we're brewing our own beer and the venue itself is absolutely gorgeous. Um, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of inspiration in there. I've got uh, Korean barbecue pizza, which is my personal favorite. Uh, I guarantee you're not going to get anything like it anywhere else. Um, there's a lot of the uh, beer is incorporated into our food as well. I have um, an IPA beer cheese that I use for the standard mac and cheese with a truffle breadcrumb. Um, and my, as far as desserts go, I even have a um, honeycomb panna cotta, which was one of my brain children, um, which is a traditional panna cotta, but it has honey and pistachios and bee pollen on it. And it's just, it's just something different. Um, I, I don't think you're going to get anywhere else. And it just makes us very unique. I appreciate being able to play around with different flavors and different cultures and things just to, um, 
you know, just be different. I like to experiment. Um, we do also have a lot of Albanian influence. Our flagship pie is called the Motherland, and that has an Albanian sausage katsujuk on it, which um, I, there's not a lot of Albanian restaurants in the area. So it's, you know, it's great to have that option. We're also going to be expanding the Albanian me- menu as well, offering um, some light fare from there as well. And exactly what you talked about there, you know, so many businesses today, there's, you know, micro breweries and craft breweries are opening up. You know, it seems like there's one a day anymore that opens up in the, in the region and are everywhere. And not all of them do food, obviously. A lot do food truck and, and things like that. But the ones that do food tend to want to put the food as a you know secondary nature. They want to focus on the beer. And that's great. I understand that. I love that. It's, it's a wonderful thing. But you really do both, and that's what I admired about looking over your menu. You, you, you come forward and say, you know what? Yes, you're coming in for a great craft beer. You're coming in for a wonderful cocktail, but you're also going to have a wonderful meal. You're, I'm going to teach you a little bit about food. You're going to learn something, um, and that I think that is really the highlight of any chef is when we can teach a you know a customer something about taste and food and try something different and introduce them to something. And you really do that. And then you add in this Albanian concept of, you know, the sausages and, and, you know, the richness of that culture there, you really hit on something. How is, you know, the, the neighborhood Germantown area responding to the, you know, to the opening of this and what's you know going forward? So, uh, the neighborhood itself, it's interesting. There was a place there previously that was called Earth and Bread um, Brewery and Flatbread Pizzas. Um, it, people are loving us so far, but then you do have some of the folks that um, used to go to Earth and Bread all the time, and they come here and expect us to be the same. And I assure you, we are very, very different. Um, in fact, almost unrecognizable in comparison to what it used to be. Um, we are doing traditional Neapolitan style pizzas with a little bit of, you know, extra flair and a twist. Um, we are brewing our own beer, but it's just so different that some people who were so used to going there on a, you know, two or three times a week, because that was a place to hang out. Um, I feel like in a way they're at times disappointed because we are not the same, but hopefully once they uh, actually do give us a try and can accept that we're not the same and we're doing a very different concept. I think they could appreciate us a little bit more. Um, we are bringing in live music and, you know, some things that they did there before, hopefully, you know, to appease the neighborhood. But at the end of the day, we're, we're there with a brand new fresh concept and we want people to really understand that, that we are different and, you know, our food's frankly, um, our, our food's fantastic. If you don't, if you don't try it and you're not trying it with an open mind, then you're just never going to know. You know, I, I applaud you for being that brave to go out and say that because it is true. People need to, you know, yes, it's different. There's a change, but sit down and embrace that. And that's the nature of the world. And, you know, let's take everybody out of our comfort zone and, and enjoy that. And I personally, I've not been into your business and, you know, doing the research that I've done, I was like, okay, another one on my list. My wife and I need to get out there and try this. Uh, as somebody who is in the craft the craft beer and, and microbrewery world, um, you know, I truly appreciated what you do and, and saw that and said, wow, you know what? 
that's a business who gets it. That's what you know, we model ourselves after. Um, you're doing all that, you know, and bringing in novel ingredients and, and doing that. You're also selling other people's beers, which, you know, I don't personally do, but, you know, I, I really love that, that, you know, you have a, you know, grower who has a great resume themselves here in the region you brought in. Um, and you're producing four beers at the moment, I believe. We are producing four beers at the moment. Um, we are hoping to have four essentially, um, you know, kegged and then they'll be on tap. And then as soon as they come off um, out of the uh, brew tanks, we immediately start our next batch. So they will change. I believe that the Brewmaster Bren Lager, as well as the Three Brothers IPA, are going to be our two standards that are not going to change. But aside from that, we should be bringing in, um, you know, making some new beers and just introducing new things as well. Um, and the guest taps, uh, I guess we just figured that was a great idea to have guest taps as well because we have so many phenomenal local breweries in Pennsylvania. Um, we were just hoping to uh, showcase those as well. I mean, everybody knows, you know, Trogues and Victory and, you know, the, of course they have a place in, in our hearts and in our restaurant because those are things that we all enjoyed prior to, you know, brewing our own. So I think it's nice to pay homage to that. Sure, absolutely. And I, you know, we, uh, at, at my location, we produce eight and we have five fermenters and, you know, it's constantly one empties, move it to the holding tanks and, you know, it goes to do what I understand that battle. Um, but your, you know, your beers are a little bit different. I was looking through them, the list a little bit, and I really applaud. I think you and the brewer on the same mentality of really bringing an A game of new ideas and some creativity and, you know, just great quality production into what you're doing, starting with quality ingredients and going from there. I know in your other, in the M2O group, you have some great, um, things you can do, stuff burgers and things like that. Are you looking to bring any of those items that were so popular over to where we're here? So uh, we do currently have a burger at Tulska. We call it the Tulska Burger. Um, and I do believe that I want to bring a few more burgers in. Um, the only difference is with the environment that we're in in the brew pub, it allows me a lot more uh, room to play around and to kind of you know, make things better and to elevate them. Um, so the Tosca burger that has thick cut bacon, it has our house made beer cheese on it. It has um, my house made comeback sauce on it, lettuce, tomato, onion. It's a half pound burger. It's on a farmhouse bun. It's wonderful. It's like an M2O burger, but on steroids. And that's the whole idea is when we do bring more burgers and even more chicken sandwiches to it, it's going to be the same, but different. Like everything is just going to be elevated. Are you doing any work with, uh, you know, local producers and uh, local bread and uh, local farms or anything like that to, uh, you know, also support your community in there and, and, you know, bring in some of the Philadelphia flair as well? So I'm really hoping to. Um, I've approached some local vendor vendors. <laughs> Sorry. I've approached some local vendors. I'm hoping to get more... Um, I guess, partnerships with local, you know, businesses. Unfortunately, right now, there's nobody close enough to us that can uh, sustain our needs. So it's really uh, logistics. I need to find local farms that are able to provide us with the right product and the right prices in order for us to continue to stay profitable and for us to continue to exist. So it's... Um, 
we're, we're exploring it and we hope to get on that bandwagon soon. But as of right now, I don't really have a lot of local vendors vendors. And I, and I ask that question with that stipulation all the time because people think that I get that all the time. Well, who are you dealing with locally? And, you know, I have to remind people that, you know, we're in Philadelphia, uh, you know, we're not year round agriculture, you know, your limited products, costs are different, things like that. And, you know, it all has to fit into the business plan as well. And, you know, thank you for pointing that out because it's, it's so, so, so important in that aspect to do that. Now to put you on the spot a little bit, when you walk into Tosca Burger or you talk into a brewery, so what are you sitting down having? Oh, so my, my personal favorite, and I, I mentioned it earlier, is the Korean barbecue pizza. Okay. Um, that was that came about. I was laying in bed one night thinking, hey, I've got to make Korean barbecue for M2O tomorrow. And then what if I put that on a pizza? So it has um, an eight-hour braised short rib on it. It's got a combination of smoked Gouda and sharp cheddar. It's got a house-made Korean barbecue base. And what really makes it wonderful is the uh, chili crisp topping on top. It gives you a little bit of spice and a little bit of that numbingness from the uh, Szechuan peppercorn that's in it as well. It's just, it's so different. Um, And that's just why I want it every time I'm there because I I know that I'm not going to get that anywhere else. So that's, um, that would definitely be my favorite. Um, as far as the beer menu goes, I would probably have to go with the Three Brothers IPA. Uh, I'm a big fan of IPAs. It also happens to be the one that I use in my beer cheese. Um, I just, for me, the more bitter a beer, the better. I just really enjoy that flavor. Uh, I enjoy hops in general. But um, those would be my two go-tos. Uh, and dessert, again, honeycomb panna cotta every day, all day. It is wonderful. It is different. It's unique. And it's also beautiful on the plate. When you described that, I wanted to come out and get some right away. It just sounds like an absolutely amazing dish uh, to do that. And, you know, I like you. I, I, I like a good bitter. So hops are a very important thing. And the fact that that is your choice for your beer tea tells you so much, too, because it's really going to blend in and, and, uh, you know, really give a distinct flavor to that. So, you know, some of the other items, like you had the Leo burger, the Leo pizza, things like that, are going to be uh, seeing any of those debut anywhere? Are you saying the, the burgers from M2O Group? Yes. Perhaps. Um, I guess it really depends on the market. I think what our primary focus on right now is definitely um, the pizzas and getting the Albanian menu fully fledged and released. Sure. Um, currently, the Albanian menu is only really available if you know that it's there. Um, or alternatively, it is technically online. But people who are dining in, we actually don't even have it on our menu yet because there were, we're still going through the process of deciding exactly what we want to keep on there. I know we're going to have a mezda platter, which is kind of like a um, crudite. Yep. Um, so I know we're going to have that, and that is truly wonderful. It has house-made bread on it as well. Um but as far as like other items go, we're still back and forth. Do we want to do the chofta? Do we want to do tov kosi? And me I, not having a lot of experience personally with Albanian food until working with these guys, um, it's been interesting. I feel like I'm learning a lot and it's going to give me uh, new ingredients and new concepts for me to play around with. So hopefully in the very near future, um, next week or so, we're going to see that. And then after we get that rolled out, uh, we should be having our menu update. And that would be when you would see, um, you know, new burgers and chicken sandwiches and other, um, 
I guess, bar food or pub fare, as people would like to call it. Well, I'm so glad that you're really going to embrace the brothers, Albanian roots and all that. And it's sadly, we're you know, running out of time. Please tell our listeners when, where they can find more information, where they can very specifically get some information about the Albanian menu, because I think you're really going to take off there. That's going to be a phenomenal thing. And uh, just how to follow you. Yes, sir. So um, everything is going to be on our website at Tulska Restaurant and Brewery. Um, the Albanian menu, everything should be released on there very shortly. Um, you can find us in Germantown, 7136 East Germantown Ave in Mount Airy, PA. And, um, you know, I truly look forward to everybody coming out and giving us a shot. And, hey, if you stop in, just ask for me. I'm always there. Well, I look forward to it. You'll be seeing me in the next couple of weeks, I'm sure. Um, I look forward, actually, I have to be out there that way on Wednesday. Maybe I'll stop in. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. And we will be right back after this short break. To become a sponsor of Food Farms and Chefs and have your business or event promoted on two radio stations in Philadelphia that play on Tuesdays during Drive Time Radio and on a station in New York on Fridays at 1 p.m., you can email us at foodfarmsandchefs at yahoo.com, ibfoodie2 at yahoo.com, or arpolicus at gmail.com. Hi, and welcome back to Food Farms and Chefs, and I am honored to bring in the executive chef, Allison Rizzo, who is at Oh Wow Cow Creamery. Allison, thank you for joining us on Food Farms and Chefs. Thank you. The pleasure and honor is all mine. Thank you for having us. <laughs> no problem. So um, first off, I mean, I did a lot of research on Oh Wow Cow, but I didn't do research on you. So how did you actually get into the business? So um, it's, it's really funny because ice cream has been my dream for ever. Um, actually, one of my friends from culinary school works with me here, and we've always dreamed about uh, working in ice cream. Um and through the crazy, you know, circumstance, um, my mother-in-law actually introduced me to a wow cow. This is my first um, executive chef uh, position. So that's uh, probably why there's not much on me yet. But uh, <laughs> there's uh, um, I, John Fazuglio, the owner, gave me this really amazing opportunity to, um, you know, play to my strengths and really um, play around with these amazing local flavors. And um, uh, it's just been a dream come true. So. Well, I'm glad that, you know, to hear that you this is your first uh, executive chef uh, position and that you are located or you know, working it with such a well-established uh, ice cream place. You, you know, I know that John had founded it in 2009 and, you know, that his um, mission basically was to work with local agriculture and local farmers um, and bring that to the community and then serve and support the community as well. Absolutely. I like to liken our ice cream to as weird as this is going to sound, uh, kind of like sourdough. Uh, you know, the idea of sourdough bread, like the, um, the air, it, the, all the air actually flavors the sourdough. And we actually use the flavor of the area to flavor our ice cream. You could make the exact same recipe anywhere else, but it's not going to taste the same as Bucks County and Lehigh Valley does. Yeah. And I mean, it's more than just, you're more, you're making more than just ice cream, which a nod to him is he um, actually has one of the few or scant um, licensing through the U.S. Department of Agriculture. Um, So it takes that up to, you know, another level as well. But um, (laughs) I actually forgot what I was going to ask. So this is live radio. Um, (laughs) 
<laughs> but, um, but, oh yes, but you, you know, as a chef, obviously you went to culinary school, um, which culinary school, di- uh, school did you go to? I went to the Culinary Institute of America in Hyde Park. So that is a well-established place as well. Yes. Um, I, I want to give a nod to the fact that given the history of where you graduated, your, your education, and also with what he, his mission is, um, he had, he set out to make sure that everything was made from scratch, including the stuff that you'd put in as add-ins. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. It's, um, it's kind of amazing. I, have worked in every section of the business. Um, I've worked for, like um, at the um, at the stores a couple of times, but I've I've pasteurized our base. Like you said, we have one of the few um, actual licenses in Pennsylvania to make our ice cream from scratch. I've cracked eggs with uh, with our team. Everyone here, you know, we really are incredibly lucky because we have a lot of amazing people who just happen to know how to make amazing things from scratch. And if I don't know how to do something, I can ask at least three other people who will have an amazing answer for me. Now let's um, delve a little bit into some of the local purveyors, because one of the big things that's a key component to making something taste so good is fresh is best. And you guys work with numerous purveyors or numerous farmers um, that contribute to the taste of and flavors and just the um, creaminess of your ice creams. How, you know, what is it like? Because you had mentioned prior to us jumping on that, you know, Trogger's Farm and Meadowview are two of the local farms that you work with very closely. So what is it like kind of working with them and bringing them as independent, um, you know, contractors basically and their stuff into, you know, incorporating that into your ice creams? Yeah, it's it's really amazing um, to work so closely with the people who like grow or like harvest um, our food. Um, Meadowview in particular, um, the apiary we use because we don't use corn syrup. We use uh, actual local honey in our ice cream for flavoring and in the base. And, um, you know, just being able to talk with them and be able to learn as much as I can from them and um you know, get their insight as well about like things that we can do to make like really fun um, ice creams we never even dreamed of doing. Um, we also work with a lot of places like we work with a uh, Blooming Glen uh, farm as well. And they actually have a CSA where we make special ice creams just for them. And we wouldn't, I wouldn't have the opportunity to make those really cool ice creams if not for these amazing people. Yeah. And I also saw on your list of uh, people like uh, places that you work with. Um, something that I've come across a couple of times at, um, various events is, uh, barefoot, but botanicals, they have such fragrant, um, additives. Oh, yes. Yeah. So what, you know, what are some of the the ice creams that you've made with them? Oh, I mean, they have such amazing stuff. One of my favorite things to uh, work with with them is they have uh, not just a beautiful um, chamomile syrup, but they have like beautiful dried chamomile as well. So we get to work with it in two different ways. And we did this um, lovely um, honey chamomile uh, lemon ice cream that had a honey caramel swirl that actually the caramel came from uh, a local candy maker. Speaking of local, um, (laughs) Raymer's in Doylestown so um but Barefoot Botanical they're um I think they're uh 
um, blue leaf now or uh, some, they, but uh, they um, are really sweet people and they, ha they have such an amazing know-how of herbs of, you know, all sorts of things. Um, so if we ever have questions uh, at one point, I've asked them about dandelions to see if we can do a dandelion ice cream. They, they're really cool, knowledgeable people. And I do like the fact that like your ice creams, cause I was looking through, you know, your Instagram and, and some of the posts that are, that are up, the ice creams are just drool worthy. I'm, I, you know, Gene had, had mentioned prior to hopping on that, you know, if we talk too much about it, he's going to have to run out and get some of your ice creams. But, um, you know, I was seeing it in like the, the blueberries, like, cause you incorporate like the freshness. So blueberries, which are always in like in season around this time, um, strawberries, strawberry, strawberry rhubarb you made, um, you know, and then of course my, my go-tos are always, you know, peanut butter and chocolate. So I saw like this decadent looking from a little bit past uh, po a post from your past, this decadent looking chocolate um, con confection that was just, I, I, I didn't stop staring. <laughs> it, it is the most dangerous place and the most amazing place to work for because uh, a lot of the time we'll come up with some really fun flavors, especially like um, when we got all the strawberries from uh, Trogger's, um, especially, I know a couple of people were, uh, were picking through and just, you know, maybe having a snack too, because like, you can't help it. Like all this fruit is so amazing and fresh. Like we process, we process it, make it into ice cream within like a day of us, of them picking it um, in some, in most cases. And it's, it's really fun. And we also get the ability to kind of turn it into a lot of uh, interesting things. Like uh, one of the last month's flavors was uh, a strawberry salted stracciatella for people who don't know stracciatella is a like a melted chocolate that's kind of uh, mixed in at the same time to make these like really lovely, um, you know, ribbons chips exactly and so it is a very simple ice cream because it's just salted chocolate and strawberry but there's just something so incredibly decadent and rich about it that just takes it to another level yeah and I know like I'm not the biggest fan of like just a plain vanilla ice cream but I'm sure that you guys you know probably use like the fresh vanilla pe vanilla pods and like kind of scrape that in we we work very closely with um some really amazing vanilla purveyors and they are spectacular. We work a lot with a uh, Lockheed vanilla and uh, we're also, we recently started working with um, Mocha. Um, they're up in uh, around the Poconos area. They do uh, chocolate and coffee and they do some vanilla stuff as well. And um, they have a very close connection with uh, the growers down there. So we, we have like Tahitian vanilla at our disposal, Madagascar, Indonesian, and we have, we have a lot of fun kind of playing around with those flavors. Cause I mean, despite it being the same plant, it all tastes different and amazing in their own way. Yes. And I know it's, I, I still, cause I, it's not a flavor that I've ever been able to get behind, but I know that the most popular flavor that is sold in the U S still to date is mint chocolate chip. And I know that you guys have that as one of your um, core flavors, because you guys carry 12 core flavors in every storefront. Yes. Um, mint chocolate chip, 
is actually probably one of my favorite of the core flavors. Um, and I think it's, it's very funny because there are people who are like, this is like just eating toothpaste. What are you doing? And, uh, I think it takes, I think, and not like ours does, but I think it tastes, um, it, it takes a lot to really balance it. And I, while I'm the executive chef, I do have some people who work with me and have trained with me to make sure we have like a, the specific palette that we're going for. And I think it's a really telling, um, where somebody is and how they flavor their mint chocolate chip. Um, it, it's a, a really fun, versatile flavor. Um, and honestly, uh, it's, it's a polarizing, but a very fun one to work with. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, I know Gene's been to you, to your, one of your stores or probably multiple stores, um, considering he has, um, an easier like location where he lives. Uh, so Gene, what are some of your favorite flavors? Well, see, I don't go for the core flavors. I always go up and, and get, you know, what's kind of right there, new on the menu going for that way. But I know you're not a mint chocolate chip fan. I am. I love that you just went on to explain that, you can really tell somebody or tell a lot about somebody's palate by how they do their mint chocolate chip. I so agree. Um, you know, and one of the things that I like about yours is you could just taste that it's all natural. It's all great quality. There's, you know, nobody, you're not dropping in a ton of, you know, moaning mint syrup or anything like that into it. And that's one of the things that, you know, really stands out to me about that. But I'm also a purist too. Like I'm, you want the strawberry, you know, rated season, anything like that, you know, anything that is just done right. I don't need a complicated, you know, 42 different flavors in one, in one type of ice cream, you know, give me a great quality vanilla with, you know, really good quality vanilla bean in there. And I am just happy as can be. And at, at Oh Wow Cow, you can get that. Well, thanks. You know, it's actually funny because uh, John, the owner's uh, favorite flavor, whenever he's asked, is he just says it might surprise you, but it's vanilla. Um, because of that exact reason, like there's something very, um, you know, understated, but beautiful about vanilla. It's a base flavor for a lot of things. And, you know, people say, oh, vanilla, it's boring, but you know, it, it's important, um, especially when you're in uh, my shoes or similar shoes, uh, where you kind of have to pick out the nuances and kind of like push and pull flavors, especially with, uh, when we're using, uh, things as fresh as we are, because, um, I, I'll say to that sometimes we have the kids from the stores tour our facility. Um, I'll tell them like sometimes the cows eat grass from a different area and the milk tastes different or the cream tastes different that we have. So like maybe we need to add a little bit more vanilla. Maybe we need to add a little bit more salt. Maybe we need to do this. So it, the fact that you appreciate a good vanilla is uh, is uh, always great to hear. So I'm going to go throw back to the fact that I also saw you've worked with um, a sesame. You turned sesame into an ice cream and I was like oh I love that oh my gosh that was a great flavor I love kind of spreading my uh my wings if you will and, and kind of like trying to feel out different flavors and surprisingly um that flavor was actually a, a winner for a, a the children's recipe contest um it was they they have an amazing palate and she was I think like I think she was like five or four years old she was a sweetheart um 
but yeah, no, it Sesame was so was really fun to work with. That was around the time we were also doing a uh, a pineapple matcha pistachio was another one that we did. Um, you wouldn't think it works, but it actually really is transformative and kind of goes from like one flavor into the next into the next. It's just a beautiful transformation on your palate. Yeah. So as far as I mean, because obviously you do create different flavors that are, you know vastly like interesting for anybody's palate um and your images of of which are are like as i said before drool drool worthy i can't even speak um (laughs) are worthy of of every every little last bite um and i'm so interested in actually visiting you but what are some of the other things that you do because do you actually sell like the pastries that you do as add-ins or um, you know, offer, offer pine, like pints, quartz, you know, take, what are some of the take-homes? Oh yeah, no, absolutely. We, we do sell pints and quartz. We sell mm-hmm. ice cream sandwiches. Uh, we actually do pops. The, uh, um, we hand dip every single pop and the person who does that is like an amazing artist when it comes to those. We also have cookie packs that we sell, uh, the, uh, creativity and the, uh, and the talent of our head baker really, um, cannot be contained. Uh, we actually have a special cookie coming out, uh, as a flash this week. Uh, that's a lemonade cookie with lemon curd baked into it. I know it's great. (laughs) <laughs> um, it's like literally like sunshine in a cookie. Yeah, what we what we try to do is um, play to the strengths of everybody here and really showcase everybody's talents. If um, our resident pop maker has an amazing idea for a pop or even a sundae or whatever, we we play around and we try to see if it works, and then we try to you know give them their their time in the sun and and really like there's too much amazing talent in here that I. I am humbled by every day. We, it, there's so much to share. Yeah. So pints, quarts, ice cream sandwiches, pops, you name it, we have it. And, you know, like, do you ever do private parties like, um, that, that you can cater to? We do. So we have, um, we have a couple of options. We have our shop font location has a party room that you can rent out. We have, um, a parties to go option where you can go to the stores and you can purchase pans, uh, to bring home. And then we have for uh, larger events, we also have, uh, coolers that you can have like branded coolers and we do scooping events as well. That's a lot of fun. Now I want to also mention because I don't know if it's ongoing, but I I definitely think that it's an interesting um, thing to, to give a nod to, which is rock the cow card. I love rock the cow. I'm sorry. You just made me so happy. Um, So, oh my gosh, a rock the cow was so fun to come up with. We we've had things, uh, we had a tour to cow prior and the idea to kind of give every store a little something special um, and then also come up with the really fun names for everything was so incredibly fun and delightful. We were literally uh, telling puns to each other across the room for like two weeks straight. We have a figgy stardust pop. Uh, we have, you know, here comes the sun butter milkshake. We have like all <laughs> these amazing things that just put a smile on my face every time I think about it. So, and people have been really enjoying it. I, it, makes me so happy to see people as uh, punny as I am and really enjoy it. 
I love a good pun too, but um, where is that still ongoing and when does it run? Oh, till? Yes. Yeah. It's um, it's all throughout the summer. Uh, so you can go for as long as the uh, summer break and uh, all the kids are out of school. Um, we do plan on at some point, um, generally speaking, we do it mostly throughout the summer, but we do plan on uh, refreshing some of the flavors later down the line and keeping it uh, fresh and cool. So um, I guess to get them all you can, but uh, uh, they are all winners in my book. So you can't go wrong, even if you just choose one. Gotcha. Now I have one quick quiz uh, suggestion and then let our listeners know uh, where to find you online. Um, So my suggestion is bring that sesame back into the chocolate but then add like an infused, like a liquor infused, like a rum or or bourbon or something like that. And maybe add in like something crunchy, like pretzel. Yeah. I love that. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Scoop or pop or anything. That sounds amazing. We'll have to bring back our cookie pop. Sorry. No, no, no. Fine. (laughs) Um, so, but let our listeners know where to find you online. Um, and, uh, your website, because I know you have multiple locations. Yes, we have five locations. We um, You can check it out at ohwowcow.com. Uh, we are also available on DoorDash if you are local um, and it won't melt by the time it gets there. Um, we, um, would you like to know our five locations or? Yeah, just quick where, what towns they're in. Uh, we have uh, Ottsville, Wrightstown, Easton, and Chalfont in PA. And then we also have Lamberville, New Jersey. All right. Thank you so much for joining us on Food Farms and Chefs, Allison. Thank you for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. No problem. To listen to the rest of Food Farms and Chefs, tune your HD radio to 97.5 WPEN HD2 or stream live from WWDBAM.com.